As we were to find out, Vanilla wasn't the only recipient of Edward's loving seed, and he didn't restrict himself to cars. For Edward told us that he had also made love to a helicopter. And not just any helicopter, but Airwolf. At the time, it was like a dream. I was pretty much left alone to my own accord, and I just set my tripod up and took a picture of me kissing Airwolf because I figured, oh, why not? That's what I'm there is to pay tribute to her and love on her. And I just couldn't hold back. So did Airwolf have any orifices that you could sort of stimulate yourself? No, no, it's just the, 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 the form and curve. She's got um, a sleek, sensuous tail that almost looks like a dolphin. There's about 12 of us and if you were to pick the four, top four, I'd be one of them. In the world? In the world. Welcome back. Tippy Tap number... 30, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go with 30... I think it's 33. But 33. who's counting? Scotty who's, Pippen, your favorite. Who's counting? Griff, I'm, this is a cut to the fucking chase. Nobody's here to hear us. They want they want our special guest. Yes. Our most popular guest. The hottest guest. God, the shit we had to go. We thought it was hard to get Abron. The yeah. sh- that fucking rider this guy sent us. Oh, my God. Well, we, we, we did it because he's worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tower of Power. Too sweet to ever be sour. I call him the Hugh Hefner of Golden Globus Theater because every time he's on... The female listenership skyrockets. It's through the roof. Because the ladies love Mr. Jack Badalera. Yeah. Jack, how you doing? It, I'm not going to deny it. Um, <laughs> every time I do an episode of you know, your podcast, uh, my DMs on Twitter just light up. A lot of uh, thirsty divorcees kind of drop me a line. Nope. They say that my sweet dulcet tones you know curl their toes and can you send me some of that shrapnel because i could use some of that i don't my dms are cold as fuck (laughs) i'm not getting anything i need to keep my secrets close to the chest here okay okay okay. i was gonna ask what your secrets are because i we've been wanting to do a lethal ladies month forever and i have a female protagonist and have female uh guests but we only got a couple of fucking. We have one woman that listens to us, as far as I know. <laughs> we love her. We love you, Abra. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could teach us something off off mic. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you first off, uh, this episode that we're going to be discussing is really going to be a manual uh, to let you look into the world of seducing women because we're dealing with not one, not two, but three uh, heartthrobs. We're dealing with Mr. Stringfellow Hawk, Mr. Dominic Santini, and Archangel. So... Three names that certainly belong in the same universe. <laughs> like this, this is this was the biggest challenge I've had yet. And we just, did, you know, of course, we've recorded uh, Face Off at this point, coming out soon. Just, just yeah. hold on to your catheters for that one. Yeah, but that was the challenge. But this episode of Airwolf, probably all of Airwolf, my first time watching it. And it's an episode about subterfuge. It's about sleight of hand. It's about obfuscation. It's about misdirection. I was having a very hard time with it. Well, before we get into the episode, I we opened our our episode with uh, the fourth ranked, according to himself, yes, mechaphile in the world, of course. And he got that ranking because he had sex with Airwolf. He claims that. Yeah, I don't know. What did number one do? Fuck like every iteration of Batmobile or some shit like that? Um, probably Air Force One. It's probably a president. Oh, shit. Yeah. But that begs the question for everybody here. What famous vehicle would you have sex with? Oh, Riff? that's. Go ahead. You already have one? Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Here. Come on, it would be the Ferrari 308 from Magnum PI. No question. Ooh, wow. Ooh, that's good. Griff, do you have anything? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm going right back to my child. I'm going with the mystery machine. The mystery machine? Yeah, Scooby Doo. Interesting. You can have sex with wow. a cartoon car? I mean, why not? I don't know. How do you do that? There are live mock-ups of it. I mean, they, they did two live-action films. So Mine is the no- no-brainer. I got the right answer. It's the car Kennedy was assassinated in. <laughs> oh my god! And wow, it's, it's in That's the Henry Ford Museum, so it's accessible. <laughs> so I could do it, and it's got history behind it. Everyone's seen it. Oh, jeez. Okay, saying, I'm just saying, guys. <laughs> that, that took a dark turn. That's, wow. Oh, Murray. <laughs> I'm. I know why you're banned from the uh, the Henry Ford now. <laughs> I tried. It's been a story. He's not willing to. I'm share, trying but... to get up in the ranks, dude. Yeah, that's Man. a sure number one ranker. Gotta, number two. I'm gonna be honest. You're poisoning last week. That was me. I was trying to get that information out of you because you've been hiding this Henry Ford secret on me for yeah. years. Yeah. And it comes out, and I didn't even have to poison you. I just had to show you a mecha, the number four mecha file. <laughs> yeah. What well, does that mean? You know, you my that? competitive juice is coming. I told you that could at least number two. At least number two. I mean, if you fuck a car that a president died in, yeah. How can you beat that? You got to be number two. Okay. <laughs> All right, Airwolf. <laughs> Griff wasn't even alive when Airwolf was on the air. I recall. Did this come out around the same time Blue Thunder came out? I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I'm sure within, you know, a year of each other, one way or the other. Yeah. We were chopper it. maniacs in oh, the mid-80s. That, that was a chopper one? Yeah, it was another I thought was that, a movie. Was there a boat one? I'm sure there was. This was a movie. Uh, Rip Tide. Tide. Wasn't Riptide kind of a boat-focused? Uh... That's another show I remember never watched. 
Okay. Because I know Simpsons did a bit, and it reminded me of the like Airwolf's uh, whole uh, layout here, plot layout. I was thinking about that, where it's like there's always a canal just waiting there, you know, to for the boat to get around. So you weren't born. I never watched it. Uh, Jack, explain Airwolf to the uh, you know the layman. I'll try and keep it really succinct. <laughs> it, it's it's a super helicopter. It's got armor. It's got guns. It's got missiles. It's stealthy. It can break the sound barrier. Uh, it, it's got all sorts of electronic wasamadusits in it that allow it to do all sorts of crazy stuff. And it, it basically Stringfellow Hawk and Dominic Santini are the pilot and co-pilot and they fly it around in the first season. They fly it kind of all around. I wouldn't say the globe, but they go, you know, to Central and South America. They go to Africa. They 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 go all over the place, uh, dealing with international incidents as well as domestic stuff. Um, in one episode, they thwart a, a, a gold heist, um, and. Kind of the meta story of the show is that in the first, the first season's great. The second and third seasons kind of wobble a little because they try and keep the show from being so darkly political because it is. Mm. Um, it, it deals with like all the stuff that's going down, you know, in Central and South America during the 80s, uh, Nazi hunting, uh, the sort of tension between America and Libya is a constant plot device but in the later seasons uh, i guess the showrunners wanted to dial it back keep it lighter probably because they were playing off of stuff like a team and you know night rider and things like that where yeah they just didn't want people having to discuss you know the the ethics of nazi hunting over (laughs) you know a show this you know helicopters flying around and explosions and stuff so they they you know, sort of drew the fangs of the show a little bit plot wise. And then for the show got canceled after the third season. And then uh, CBS sold it to USA network, which they liquidated the entire cast uh, recast the whole show with new actors playing new roles, moved uh, filming to Canada, shot a whole long season up there tiny budget they wound up reconstituting all the sort of aviation footage from previous seasons uh and then the show fell apart and it never went anywhere after that and sort of mixed in with that is just the decline of unfortunately jan michael vincent who was getting paid 200 grand an episode which uh, according to what i saw was the most any american actor at the time was getting paid to do television and from what i gather just the combination of money and fame and his own tendencies he just you know crawled into a bottle started getting into drugs there was domestic abuse. There was DUIs. He, he oh, just geez. really went downhill. And people talk about, you know, just working with him was like working with one of those old Hollywood drunks where like, you know, he would come onto the set 
already blotto and you just the whole show became managing him and his alcoholism and his sort of limited ability to function yeah uh and so what what are you going to do at that point you know it's it's very unfortunate and it's just you know, destroyed this kind of cool premise because, you know, again, you had, uh, you know, the whole night. It, basically, it's Night Rider in the air. Yeah, uh, yeah. Night Rider was hugely popular, so you know, why not try and recreate that kind of magic? And eh. yeah, yeah. So if you have kids and you want to just you want to scare them straight from alcohol show them jim oh michael vincent because in the 70s he was a pretty boy yeah and he's yeah. rabid he's rough looking well, 10 you, years later in this show you can create a whole slideshow now because you have val kilmer up there too because he was a batman and now you see him and he's got like the bloated over he looks like the dog where it just folds over his face isn't that val kilmer i'm thinking of he did a documentary about it yeah okay yeah and that's it I don't know. What but, I mean, you just listen to Jim. Jim Michael. Jeez, uh, man. I'm just thinking of like, I think of him from the, the movie, The Mechanic, where he's just pretty looking. Right. Smack right. and pretty. That and was, now you see him was now. Was that the Bronson one? Yeah. Too? Yeah. He was, that was yeah. 10 years earlier. Okay. And you just see how ravaged he is by alcoholism. Wow. He just looks like shit. He yeah. sounds like shit. That, I, I guess then, in the 90s, uh, he had three different car accidents and you know, they oh. just all did damage to him. That's why he sounds so terrible. Is that they had to perform an emergency tracheotomy on him. Oh, and, shit. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. No, it, it's depressing. But at the same time, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be harsh. Like, the accounts of domestic sort of abuse and violence from all, all the women in his life, like, I, I, I'm sure that the drugs and alcohol played a part, but, you know. Yeah. Did not sound like a great guy to be romantically involved with. Right. So, it's a yeah, bummer it's, that Magnum TA gets in one car accident and I lose him forever. And Jam Uncle Vincent gets in three and he gets to go around domestically abusing women like he likes the, to do. It's it's the know, universe, man. Bad guys always, always win, dude. No, it is. What I have to know, I have to know this because I've never, like, I never heard of Jan Michael Vincent until. Rick and Morty did the whole Jan Michael Vincent thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you come into Airwolf knowing about Jan Michael Vincent or did it make you like a fan of Jan Michael Vincent? Were you seeking out the mechanic afterwards? Man, I was seven when the show aired. <laughs> okay. So you didn't so know. Yeah, I loved it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen the mechanic since and I love it. Like it, that is a great movie. In fact, my first novel killer instincts is a blend of the mechanic plus death wish. That, nice. That's how I explicitly wrote it. Um, so, oh yeah, no, I, I love it. And the one with Jason Statham is like entertaining, but it, it yeah. doesn't hold a candle to the original. No. Right. No, because in the Statham one, he kills only bad people. Like in the mechanic, he's just a mob hitman. That's his job. Yeah. You know, they they don't care. They're not getting into the moral issue, or they are getting into the moral issues of it in a way. Yeah. You know? But and now it's like just make him a good guy. Just make him a good. Guy. Only kills bad people. Yeah. You know. So let's get into this episode, people. And we we like we said, we're the students. Jack is the teacher when it comes to Airwolf. Oh, yeah. Michael so, down our Vincents. <laughs> we're going to Michael down our Vincents and get into this. So, 
for season one, episode six. Does this this have a title? From Echoes from the Past. Echoes from the because Past. Because yeah. I did that. The episode we saw, I don't know if this was just from the rip you gave. Is, is They start it, which I, I enjoyed. They give you a breakdown of the whole plot of the show, the premise of the show. Yeah, that starts happening like three or four episodes into the first season. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that some of those older television shows did where they weren't really sure how to like open the show until they were three or four episodes on. Um, but yeah, the whole thing with the uh, you know, Airwolf is a highly advanced fighting machine, you know, 30 millimeter cannons and avionics, you know, blah 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 blah. Uh, which I, I mean, the A team does something similar, Knight Rider, yeah. if I remember right, does something similar, but but this one is just uh, it's an info dump and a half, so I, I kind of give it a thumbs down. But <laughs> the thing is, it's a complicated plot. Because in the pilot episode, Airwolf gets stolen by its creator, taken to Libya. Uh, Stringfellow and Dominic have to fly out there and and steal it back. But Stringfellow's brother, Sinjin, or St. John, who is MIA in Vietnam, he wants to find his brother, an archangel, the guy who represents the firm, which is kind of an analog for the cia um basically Stringfellow leverages him and says look i've hid an airwolf you don't know where it is uh only me and dominic know we'll fly it for you we'll fly your missions we'll go on your adventures uh you know kill people for you blow stuff up but you have to promise me that you will leverage your resources to finding my brother dead or alive in vietnam once again, it's one of these shows in the mid '80s. Every character has some tie to the Vietnam War. This is classic staple, you know, right. men's adventure style 1980s characters. You know, half of them are all Vietnam vets, or you know, had something to do with the war, lost someone in the war. So, you know, yeah, so that's the, that's the kind of plot dynamic that if you're just dropping in cold to this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not really understand the nuances of it. Like, why is you know why is there this tension between Archangel and Dominic, and you know why do they need to find Airwolf when Airwolf supposedly belongs to them, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm definitely more used to like dropping in a Night Rider, where it's like the most simple little story, and this one definitely does have some really cool hooks and everything and leverage situations that I was like, "What is?" I had well, when I was reading your notes, that's when it was coming clear. Yeah, you probably don't understand. We spent all of the '80s refighting Vietnam War through our films, yeah. <laughs> so we could win it. We gotta basically. win it. It you works know. so well. It's like. They were talking about how they've basically done that to Europe with World War II, where now Europeans think that America won World War II for everybody when we, like, fucked off. So, Oh, we did something. It's not that. I, no, it's not yeah, saying that. Yeah. But we just weren't there for, like, the wrap-up and everything and all that. And yeah. most Europeans now think that America won it because of our film. So, fuck yeah, USA. Perception is reality. <laughs> exactly. So, we open up. Beautiful music. 
loving the, I'm loving the synth. Oh man. my god, it's the so night nice 80s synth. Oh, it Jan Michael'd my Vincent. Uh, Jan Michael's all our Vincent's. <laughs> That's what I think. And we see our boy uh Hawk Stringfellow. I, I fucking hate that name. It's Stringfellow. So How do you come up with Stringfellow? The most least badass sounding name I've ever heard. Well, he's not a badass. He's sophisticated. You know, Cello, <laughs> Doc, is that, Eagles. Is that how you like, you know, sell it? You're like, this guy's sophisticated. Cello. Oh, yeah. You do it in the Jam Michael voice, though. This guy's sophisticated. So he's out. Is he out? He's out on the docks playing yeah. the cello to the the wildlife because yeah. he he's a he's a, a reclusive man. He lives in his cabin. He, he he enjoys his fine art that he has all over his cabin. Oh yeah, he sits there with a snifter of sniffing things and. Oh yeah, his liquor his liquor bottle that he has the crystal and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. It, Don't think I didn't notice that his little balloon <laughs> snifters and. <laughs> Yeah, he's a refined man of taste. And I think it all plays back to this sort of British aristocratic kind of uh, lineage that he and his brother come from, which they, they keep dropping in little hints of. And But, of course, Jan Michael Vincent, does he, that guy doesn't come off as, you know, old money British in any way, shape, or no, form. No, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Totally sophisticated. I'm glad you, uh, in your notes, you pointed out all the accessories that were happening and all the outfits that were happening. I was just trying to wrap my brain around the story. So you were pointing out like ass, ascots. Not uh, ass, you, ass. It's a cravat, apparently. Or a cravat. I, I, okay. I What's went and looked. Uh, an ascot is a more uh, formal version of the cravat. It's oftentimes okay. pinned in place. Uh, whereas the cravat's more just sort of a fancy scarf tie combo. Oh, uh, but yeah, the British guy—I don't even remember what that dude's name is. None of none of the characters who blow in and out of this episode. I even bothered. I it wasn't until the last like four minutes of the episode that I realized that the good nurse is named Susan. I think that's the only time she's ever named. Um, so I just, I think in my notes, I just referred to good nurse and bad nurse and like English yeah. guy. It's like, it doesn't matter. These people need names. Yeah. And we do that all the time. I think, I think so. that's what my notes look like when I handed them off to Murray. Yeah. So he's just chilling with the cello, you know, living his life. And then a biplane goes flying by and it drops a package. And what's in the package? I don't even fucking remember. Was, there, there's a message. It was just like a message. Meet me on the other side of the hill. Okay. Yeah. That was it. Because it's it's some guy who his name was McGregor. Did he know McGregor? Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's McGregor. It's, it sounded like that history. I couldn't tell. Yeah, that. it's intimated that he knew at least of him, if not knew him personally. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to bring up a Family Guy quote, but pilots know every pilot in the world. Like they, they just know each other. So brotherhood, yeah, yeah. And they probably fought in Vietnam together. Probably. So I mean, it makes sense. So uh, I'm not calling him Stringfellow. Fuck that hawk. Yeah, hawk. Hawk. That's a badass name. Yeah, and it's one that's tied to nature too. Right. And also, they did the normal thing. They show you an eagle, and they play a hawk. Because we learned that yeah. during the show, we were like, we need to get a hawk or an eagle an uh, sound, and it sounded like a fucking turkey. <laughs> we're like, what the fuck is that? What an eagle really sounds like? Yeah, yeah bald eagles don't sound very majestic at all. Yeah. No, they're they're all looks, just like America. No substance. 
Mm, wow, mm. social commentary Very deep. from the well, G&G boys. We're, hey, Spicy. we're doing the show, you know. <laughs> Airwolf, very deep show. <laughs> very deep show, Airwolf. So he gets in his little chopper. He's not going to be showing up by this guy in a fucking World War One biplane. Yeah. So they meet up in this field, and we see, Jack, just tell us, we tell you, you know why we can't trust this guy. Why don't you just explain it to the people? So uh, McGregor gives Hawk uh, a photo supposed to be of a POW camp. And then he just drops this info dump of, oh, yes, your brother St. John, you know, he's at this camp. It's run by this, you know, Vietnamese colonel. You know, he's also there with, you know, just lays out all this information about who is there, how long they've been there. You know, you know, oh, he, so he everything to sort of verify and say, like, look, you know, I know where your brother is. Like, we're ready to go. I can get you in, you know, in this information. And then they kind of back and forth over how much the information is going to cost. And by the end, McGregor's kind of like, you know, they negotiate down down a couple thousand dollars or something. And and, and then finally, McGregor goes to leave and. You know, Hawk is like, well, what about your money? How should I pay you? And he's like, oh, you know, I lost a brother in Algiers a few years ago. Uh, you know, I put this one on the house or something like that. And then he gets in his biplane and he flies off. And then, you know, Hawk kind of looks down at the photo again and thinks about it for a moment. And then he climbs into his helicopter and takes off. He's flying along and suddenly you know, he, he's, he starts rubbing his head and rubbing his chest. You can tell oh, something's wrong. What's going on? And then we do blurry, you know, blurry vision cam, and you know the controls start to look all weird. And as anyone who's watched any television, in which a character gets drugged, you know, you can tell something's not right with him. But then he just like collapses into the <laughs> seat next to him. And we watch his little helicopter just go out of control and smash right into a mountain and you know, explode. <laughs> yeah, when does anyone ever survive a helicopter crash? Yeah, I mean, really. Oh, uh, I do. Did know. you catch that uh, creepy little bit in my notes there about the fate of the actual air yes. helicopter? That was fucked up. About for, how our, they- yeah, for our listeners, uh, the actual. Airwolf helicopter, the the Bell 222 uh, airframe that they built the Airwolf helicopter around. After the show was canceled, they stripped off all the Airwolf stuff. They repainted it and they sold it to this German helicopter charter company that rented it out as a airlift ambulance at some point in 1992 while, you know, flying about doing its business. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure what the details were, but it crashed into a mountain and killed everyone on board. So maybe I know the details. Maybe it was staged. Mechaphiles jizz gummed up to up the, the uh, I was gonna ask that. I was gonna ask. Maybe that's how that was guy, the number four is because he didn't get to jizz all over the real airwolf, because airwolf no. is dead in Germany. No, he was the one that it fucked up the. You think system. he got in there? Man, he got real in there. He claimed he did it on the landing or on the one well, of the. Can you believe anything a mechaphile says? I mean, really? Let's get real. 
If you're going to have sex with Airwolf, you're going to have sex with Airwolf. You're not just going to right. fondle the landing gear, or caress the rotor blades. You're going to You don't accept invitations. This is true. You're like, I'm yeah. fucking Airwolf. He wouldn't have been able to get it up if it wasn't Airwolf. Right. You pop right. open the turbine covers and you just get it in. Get All I'm saying done. is that guy's a murderer. And we need, I think we just did a cold case, <laughs> dude. Did true crime. Wow. Oh, we're true crime now. We're going to get ladies we're, all over we're the We're going to get tons of middle-aged ladies. Yeah, no, they're all over us. Suburbs. I want to point out, wine out one other thing about the uh, the scene where he gets drowsy. What mm-hmm. we just learned, what I just learned about J. Michael Vincent is he's a horrible uh, addict and drunk. So that was probably very real. He was like, <laughs> no, guys, here's the I'm going to mess with this. And he just chugged <laughs> the fucking bottle. And that was straight method. It. Like, he really did crash a plane for this. <laughs> But what we know, because we don't trust English people, we know that this uh, McGregor guy can't be trusted. But because, I think because of uh, – we were just saying Stringfellow's aristocratic background, he felt he could trust this guy. But you, know, you never trust a guy with a British accent, especially when he's wearing a cravat. Oh, yeah. I, I would never trust a man in a cravat. No. no. Especially not a biplane pilot who arrives. Oh, yeah. Like everything yeah, about really, if you're, that. If you're, if you're flying a biplane, you got a scarf, baby. You gotta let it flow. Oh, you gotta look like a red baron, right? Oh, okay. Everything about this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of course, a uh, 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 strange party's gonna arrive. Just, well, just some bystanders they were driving by saw just, this explosion. Just happened to be driving. Nowadays, by. they'd just be filming with their phone. Exactly. But they, you know, we actually had manners back in '84. So we said, yeah, "Sir, are you okay?" And he's yeah. like, he just has like a fucking cut on his forehead. Right. We just saw the thing smash into a mountain. Again, very real. They probably, Jan Michael was probably driving to the studio, crashed. Vic Morrow wasn't even on the chopper when he died. All right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> That's actually a callback to the Bronx Warriors, which we'll get another one oh, later on. Okay. But Vic Morrow died filming the Twilight Zone movie because oh. a chopper landed on him oh. and, two, and two small children. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. This is real true crime. We're diving into some dark places. <laughs> we spent two hours talking about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, this right? is John you know. Woo. We John didn't talk about Cage. We talked about how fuck John Woo is. Right. So. so he wakes up in a hospital bed. Yeah, well, we get oh, Murray. Don't skip over the montage, the most beautiful montage I've oh, ever yeah, seen. The, the fucktage. And do does <laughs> the wife ever appear in an episode, or is, is that mis- a wife? Who is this woman? Yeah, really? No. So sh- that's that is, if I remember her name right, it's Gabriella, and she is. I, I hate to say it, but Archangel's Archangel always has a smart lady on his arm, and I don't blame him for that. Attracted to intelligent women, uh, but he uh, he assigns Gabriella to go to Libya to hunt down the guy who stole Airwolf, and she gets killed, but not before her and Hawk have sex in his art cabin for like a week. So of oh. course he's in love with her. So let's, let's just rewind. Of course, I mean. They hooked up and banged like rabbits out in the wilderness for like a week. And she now haunts him, uh, you know, for the rest of his life is, I guess, the one that got away. I don't know. 
But he's got yeah. this whole death shroud about him where, like, everyone who gets close to him dies. Wham, wham, wham. So, yeah, that's the a woman who dies in the pilot episode. Yeah. Oh, and we all know when you have a near-death experience, the first, the last thing you see is the greatest sex you've ever had. Right. So yeah. he's he's experiencing that right now. I mean, this woman was the total package. I mean, I I she used <laughs> to be a Florida cheerleader. Uh, she does lap dances. She appreciates the cello. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, a great uh, admirer of artwork. Yeah. <laughs> So he wakes up. There's like 20 cc's of cat pee in an IV going into his veins. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. I wouldn't want that shit anywhere near me. Yeah, that IV bag looked like it had something yeah, like bass ale or something and it just getting pumped into him. It was not any fluid I would want in my body either. Yeah. So we see a young nosy nurse. This, you pointed this out and I totally agree with you. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. So I'll don't just, we'll, get, we'll get to it. I don't want to get the cat pee out of the IV bag. <laughs> so, so a young nurse is in an elevator and she opens up to onto this floor where, where string stringer is. And this, this like nurse ratchet's like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, that the good casting there. That lady right. was mean. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know." And then she just scurries. It's back. my first day, right? So we're like, "Huh, okay." And then, but she does. She notices Hawk is like stumbling out. Like, Where the fuck am I? <laughs> He's looking for his bottle. Give me some fuck. <laughs> just get me high. I don't give a shit. What, give me what, what is Jan Michael Vincent's uh, poison? What does he go for? He's, he's a whiskey man. You think, I think. whiskey? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he would be into something that has shards of glass in it as well, <laughs> like fiberglass, maybe. Is there any kind of like fermented fiberglass? Yeah, it could be. Because Goldschlager has all those uh, gold flakes in it. That's I'm what sure. I've heard, and I was thinking about going for Goldschlager, so maybe he's a Goldschlager man. I could see it. I yeah. could see it. Yeah, he's. I'm. I'm a golden actor, and I drink golden Schlager. So yeah, he's like stumbling out. They grab him. There's a, a intern that looks like Ron Jeremy. Yeah, she like nurse Cratchit like reams him out. Like I thought you had that elevator thing situation fixed. He's like, oh, he just shrugs, and then. Uh, the doctor Rothschild. Was it Rothschild? Because I know they settle him back into bed yeah. and they start nursing him again. You know, they're being very nice. They waterfall his face. <laughs> and then they tell him, you've been here for eight months. They're hammering home right. how long he's and been And then here. we're all like, as viewers, stunned. It makes, I mean, it makes sense to me as the viewer because I don't know what's going on because if you're in a helicopter crash, you're fucked up. Like you're going to have broken bones. I mean, he just had a fucking cut on his forehead for fuck's sake, a little soot on his cheeks, <laughs> but you're going to have like all your bones are going to be broken. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Eight months. I'm going with it. I'm, I'm into you know it. That guy, the artist, uh, Daniel Johnson was in a plane accident. Yeah. He made, he nosedive because his dad was a pilot and they were in a little two seater and he, he made it nosedive and the dad managed to pull it out in time. And uh, they crashed in some trees, and I think all they had was like a scrape and a bruise on them. And I was they like, did, "How does that?" They did the Bugs happen? Bunny move. They, they did went, the uh, like yeah. break in the air. Yeah, exactly. They did uh, the Bugs Bunny move, and oh, they were okay. fine. It works, people. It works. Yeah. So yeah, so 
commercial breaks. Like, eight fucking months. What the fuck? And then <laughs> they have the calendar to prove it, though. <laughs> yes, they did. And they yeah. had a lot of papers. A lot of papers. And now we meet Dr. Rothschild. And he's got him hooked up to an EEG uh, scan, brain scan. And he's like, look, man, you, you, had, a, you had a cardiac event. Cardiac. That's what they call them now. They don't call them heart attacks anymore. They call them cardiac events. Yeah. Now. It's like a weather event. It can't just be weather anymore. It's like a weather event. It sounds better. It sounds more oh. badass. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, what the, the guy named Tom come see me. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was here. Oh, by the way, he's dead. <laughs> what? And he's like, oh, yeah, he died in this raid. Did I rescue your brother? Your brother, Sinjin, he's alive. What? But your Oh, and by the way, Archangel, your other buddy, he's dead too. This guy does not have a good bedside manner. This guy just came out of a coma, all right? And he's I, just like, everybody you love but your brother, dead. Every silly sitcom teaches us that doctors are just frank. They're straight to the point. So. I mean, I maybe you can help me out with this, Jack. The, the relationship between uh, Stringfellow and Archangel is it like a tense kind of is it is a rivalry? What's going on with their relationship? Yeah, they don't like each other. Okay, uh, basically, from what I gather, the idea is that uh, Hawk was a test pilot who worked for the firm at one point, so he was. Uh, I think this gets hinted to in the pilot. It's one of the reasons why he's kind of the only guy who can fly Airwolf for, in the pilot episode. The only so he he was a a blend. He was, he was a Vietnam pilot, uh, and then after Vietnam, he went to work for the firm doing various piloty spy things. It's very vague, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's eighties television. You seem to be like, oh yeah, yeah, he's this guy. He does stuff. He's an adventurer, basically, like you know, MacGyver or Michael Knight. So, but that's the thing is that he doesn't like the way Archangel does business. He doesn't trust him. Uh, there's a really good episode a couple before this, if I remember right, where they go uh, hunting a Nazi war criminal. And there's a perfect example of the dynamic between the two of them where, you know, Stringfellow is approached uh, by someone who has a lead and wants you know, the help of the firm to hunt down this Nazi. And Archangel is kind of like, ah, no, we're not going to get involved in that. You know, there could be uh, complications. Hmm. And, and Stringfellow is like, what do you mean complications? He's a Nazi. We're going to hunt him down. Oh. What? You know, and, you know, Archangel's like, well, you're not in the game. You don't understand. And then, you know, Stringfellow's like, what do you mean I'm not in the game? I, I do your dirty business for you. And he's, and then that's when Archangel kind of lays it out. He's like, Stringfellow, you always see things in black and white, good or bad. The world is shades of gray. Like that's, if you, if you see the world that way, that's when you know you're in the game. And because you don't, you're not. And so they don't trust each other. There's just this mutual respect i suppose but they're not you know there's no real allegiance they're using each other stringfellow is using archangel to find sinjin archangel uses stringfellow because he's got ownership of airwolf hmm. um yeah so 
he's not too broken up over the fact that Archangel supposedly got killed during this raid to rescue Sinjin. Oh. Well, that's Dominic, like a- on the other hand, like that's Dominic's basically a, a foster father to him yeah. and Sinjin. So that's, you can that's see that immediately on when they're on screen together. They do a good job of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that all sounds like a very sophisticated way of saying find people on both sides. yeah that's like the one thing you're like i think we can all agree nazis are fucked up i mean that's why we make nazis they're the perfect villain in any movie right because there's no shade of gray with that right but but apparently there is and apparently archangel thinks so too apparently yeah so this is where we get the constant they hammer references to princess diana and prince charles being divorced Apparently, that's something that would shake the world in 1984. Yeah. And it's actually art imitating life or life imitating art because they did get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I guess people thought there was no way that would happen in 84. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it kind of did happen. But that's on a newscast. So he's like, oh, I know those guys love each other. This, this must be 1984. You know, 1985, yeah. you know, whatever the fuck he thinks he's in. You know, Right. And he, he must follow the royal family. If oh, he loves? Too- well, he's aristocratic. He's probably related to one of them. The lady guy <laughs> played the cello. <laughs> she did. He taught her that. Yeah. So that makes sense. One cellist to another. He's, the, he's the Earl of Sandwich. String <laughs> <laughs> fellow. We've been we've been talking about sandwiches a lot lately. You think we would be eating sandwiches all the time? I I would. I fucking love sandwiches. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're getting these constant references. We're like, oh well, yeah. Well, well, I'm thinking as a viewer. Well, I'm in 1984, and they're a loving couple. They're together. Yeah. So this must be legit. It's got to be legit. It's eight, it's eight months later. Yeah. So uh, then uh, Hawk he fades out. Comes to. He's he's got they 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 got all the fucking Time Magazine retrospective on the on the uh, the raid to save his brother. Oh, okay. The cover, Archangels yeah. like Time Man of the Year. They right. got all that shit. They doctored up all the sports. Right. You know. Well, we don't know that yet. We're just like this looks legit. Yeah, everything looks perfectly uh, in place. So you know everything is working totally to plan. Yep, and this is where we're gonna get Doctor Holgate. Holgate. Yes. Does he sell toothpaste? No, well, it's a woman, first of all. And she walks in, and she's very, she, unlike Dr. Rothschild, like everyone you love died. She's very gregarious. She's very, you know, cool. And she's just like, hey, you feeling a little uh, foggy woggy there? A little, <sighs> little droog talk going on and trying to relate to the young dude. And he's like, what the hell's going on here? He's just constant state of Michael Vincent. He's just fucked up, See, you know, because he's got that cat PIV. It's just fucking with his shit, right? It does such a good job when you're an actor too to have that Jan Michael uh, just like stun lock because you get time to just think about your lines all over again. <laughs> like we're stuck here. This and- is probably the ideal situation. He lies in a bed through half the fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like looking at his hands. You notice that? He's always looking at his fingers. Oh, was he? Yes. He's like, <laughs> what is this? So, yeah, she kind of like, she's good. It's, I guess they're playing good doctor, bad doctor. I guess that, that they, doctors do that too. It's not just cops. So she's just like, don't worry. You know, you, you, you haven't moved in fucking, because he's like, why can't I fucking walk? He's like, you haven't moved in eight months. Your muscles have atrophied. Yeah. And your you brain know? is atrophied a little bit too. It's okay though. We're gonna get you back to health, yeah, and we're gonna have a special guest, uh, special visitor coming to you. If you be a good boy, she pats him on the head and then she walks out. 
Then we cut back to that fucking elevator where we see Susan, our young nurse. She is she an elevator operator? Is that her nurse <laughs> yes, job? Her job is elevator mm-hmm. operator. Okay. And uh, dispensing water because she's got cups. She has this <laughs> tray with cups. Well, the good water's in the basement. And this is where we see. I was excited <laughs> because this is where we see Chris Connolly, aka Hot Dog from the Bronx fucking Warriors. <laughs> And I was like, "Holy shit, hot dog is in this thing." I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> and he's got a he's a newspaper underneath his arm, and uh, Susan drops some some drinks, some cups, and he's he's a gentleman, so he stoops down to help her, and he drops his, his uh newspaper, and it flips open, the divorce of the century. Yeah, and she's like, "What? I didn't know they were having marital trouble." And he's like, "Hey, the world works in mysterious ways, you know." And then he. You know, puts it, hides it back under the arm, and then he gets off. And well, he, she gets off, and she's like, "Well, this is your floor, right? This is the last floor." He's like, "Not if you have a key." Ooh. And he pulls a key out, and, and he goes down to this secret special ward. Mm. So we're like, "Okay, things are kind of, kind of weird." Now. Uh, how suspicious are we of this hospital at this point? I'm very suspicious. How, how about you, Jack? <laughs> oh, well. It- I don't want to give anything away to anyone who hasn't seen it. I don't want to spoil the rest of the podcast here, but it it does seem a little weird that he's got this whole floor to himself. Cause I think uh, the, the bad nurse mentions to Susan, the good nurse early on that, Oh, this is a private floor. Well, okay. It's the private floor, but it, it is Stringfellow the only patient on that floor seems a little ridiculous that they've booked the entire floor of a hospital just to take care of this one guy who's he's just in a coma like yeah he's got some ivs and a couple of monitors he could be you know in a he could be out in his own cabin being taken care of by uh firm doctors or you know he could be you know in some rehab facility in la he could be anywhere he doesn't need to be you know, in this hospital where there's all this traffic and nosy people trying to figure out what's going on. So, yeah, it does seem a little bit suspicious that uh, what's happening here. Cracks are beginning to form in, in, in our narrative. Right. Uh, and just when, you know, uh, uh, Stringer's going to start putting it all together, you know, string the theories together in his head, that's mm-hmm. when they're going to they're going to. They're gonna give him. A, they're gonna give him a little pellet. They're gonna give him some food here. They're gonna give him something to distract him. Right. Hot dog shows up, but he's not a hot dog. It's Sinjin, brother Sinjin. <laughs> is this the first? I mean, because this is the sixth episode of the series. Is this the first we've ever seen of yeah. Sinjin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what? That's I just awesome. remembered. Um, in the package that gets dropped in the beginning of the episode, it has in it a bracelet. Um, that says St. John on it, and it's all kind of like scratched up looking. Oh, I just I just remember that that yeah, that's in with the note, and that's kind of what oh. uh hooked the lure in Hawk's mouth. To, okay, to get him to get sense. out there. So, but yeah, get- no, it's uh, that's St. John, that's Sinjin there. So, we get the family reunion. He's telling them about you know he like Dom and Archangel died bravely, brother. I mean they they their life wasn't wasted. 
You know, he, he does a little story, like told him how he survived the POW camp. He's like, man, I created my own luxury sex dungeon in my mind. You know, <laughs> the two by four, the chains, the whips. It kept me alive, bro. Kept me alive. And he's just like, that sounds good. You got anything to drink? And he's just kind of, you know, he's just, he's like, get me high. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, then we see Dr. Rothschild watching through a two-way mirror. Yeah. And we're like, whoa, what's going on here? And he's you know? got this new character. Uh, I, I went by Morton. His name was Abrams. Yeah, okay. Morton Abrams. Morton Abrams. Yeah. And so Abrams wants to come in and have a word with them because he's gonna he's gonna be the one who's like, all right, I'm gonna land this puppy. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna take Airwolf off his hands. Okay, you never trust a man with an English accent. Okay, you never yeah. trust a man with a cravat. Yup. You never yeah. trust a man who smokes a pipe. Oh. Oh he, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I know something's up with this guy. Well, Jan Michael would have too if he wasn't so sober. Yeah. If he has a little bit of alcohol, he needs some alcohol for his intuit skills to work. It's like a drunken master type situation. It's a drunken master type. Oh, Every no. time he's playing the cello, you think he's sober? No. He can't even remember half the chords when he's sober. So he interrupts the the brother reunion and he's just like, you know, he reveals that he's he's working for the firm. And he's just like, well, hey, man, here's your bro. How about giving up Airwolf to us? Yeah. You don't because they know all about the hook. They know about the leverage. How do they know about the leverage? They know all about it. So they're like, here's your brother. Now we get Airwolf back. That was the deal. Like, Look, wait, how did they know about that? Or were they just like taking a guess? I'm guessing it's McGregor. McGregor must know. OK. Look. You give me a bottle of Jagermeister, Jagermeister. <laughs> Jagermeister. And I'll get you. I'll suck your dick. I don't give a shit. I got <laughs> bad. That's why he's staring at his hands because they're shaking like a oh, motherfucker. That, yeah, there you go. And it's like, it, it's, it's, it's in the valley of the gods. And, uh, and uh, I, I was like, Egypt? What the fuck are they talking about now? <laughs> Where is the valley of the gods? So I looked it up and it's somewhere in the uh, like southeast corner of Utah, which if you look up where Medicine Hat is, that's um, the general vicinity. But there's nothing like there's just it's it's the surface of the moon out there. There's nothing going on. Um, so it's you know I guess perfect place to hide an experimental prototype super helicopter in the belly of a hollow mesa where no one's gonna find it. But yeah. Valley of the Gods, which, you know, it, it also it's funny because he asks for a sectional map of the Las Vegas area, but it's 200 miles from Vegas. So uh, that's one big sectional map, I guess. All right. But, yep, that's that's where it is. And then he just tells them and you know, puts his finger on the map. And, and it's interesting because suddenly everyone's demeanor kind of changes and they're like, oh, yes, yes, you know. And then, was it? Uh, the guy walks in and he's like, you know, phase one is complete on to phase two. And you're like, oh, oh, shit. Right. And we see McGregor in that office. We're like, oh, shit. I knew I shouldn't have trust that limey fuck. Yeah. And we're, we're, he's just like, yeah, phase two starts now. Phase two. Hawk's laying in his bed. He's just like, I've had it with this cat PIV. Rips it out of his arm. He let, Yeah, he lets the nurse come in and put it back in like normal. But he's, you know, he's peeking. Meanwhile, Susan has 
we just they just did a whole fucking thing about how you needed the key to get down to this floor. Susan, but she's popped up on this floor five times already. So <laughs> it's like Fonzie where you just hit the like controls and yeah, I, I don't know. Well, she, well, she, she Jimmy's a stairwell door. Like she comes in through the stairwell, not oh. the elevator. That's right. That's what she does. Yeah. Okay, and no, it's America. No one uses the stairs. So this now we can point now that we know that these people are they're they're bad people. The bad hombres. Yeah. We can point out the the fucking moronic plan. Okay, <laughs> we're in a functioning hospital. Yeah. yeah, we're commandeering a entire floor. Why? Yeah. Why? Like it seems like uh, that a nurse can get on constantly. Yeah. Because whatever our elevator's not working, why not just do it in like a warehouse somewhere? Like make up a fake floor. Yeah. In yeah. hospital. And he's carrying around one of these like critical props, like the newspaper that he drops at her feet. Like, why would you carry around something that, if anyone glanced at it and just like saw the date, like out of the corner of their eye, like under his arm or, or anything, ask the hey, you done with the sports page? You know, it's like, why would why would you just sort of wander into the hospital, which is a a real hospital, having to walk through? and past and interact with real people who aren't involved. Like, why isn't that at least like in a briefcase or something? Yeah. It's, right. Because it, it again, yeah, the elevators pop it open and people are getting out and they're, Hey, why didn't you fix the elevator? I don't know why it's broken. Now, right. People coming through the stairwell. It's like, and it's, guys, this is why we won the cold war <laughs> because the Russians just didn't know what the fuck was going on for sure. I mean, We'll get to it in a little bit here, but there, there's a whole other room they added to this uh, floor yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, they got everything. I, that blew my mind. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's I the thing. That's what makes it so stupid because they go to the expense of making newspapers. Newspapers. And yet they can't just keep someone off. What? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had the system. You had to use the key, but then she didn't have to use the key sometimes. And then they also left the stairwell unguarded and unlocked. So, yeah. so I, Susan, nosy Susan, because she's got to find out the deets about Lady Di and Prince Charles, because she was like, I didn't see that in my newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, she's getting the good shit, or he's getting the good shit. You know, she wants some of that real news because she's sick of fake news. Right. Alternative facts. Oh, exactly. She's ready for the real. She facts. sneaks into to Hawk's uh, room. He's playing possum. He's mm-hmm. lying there. Yep. He took the IVO. Yep. She's noticing the nice Times cover where it was pointing out that uh, our president at the time, Reagan, Reagan, was a lizard person, and we all knew it. Yeah, we all knew that. <laughs> yeah. And she goes to. I, I guess she just saw a beautiful string fellow. She has to caress his face. I don't know what, but he grabs her. How are you doing here? You got any? <laughs> He's just, it's, it's like, no, we don't have any booze. I'm a nurse. Or, yeah. right? It's like, what What do you know? He's thinking she's in on this shit. She's like, no, I'm an innocent nurse. I don't know what the fuck's going on. What, what day is it? She's like, well, it's March 3rd. What year? 1984. <laughs> it's only been 30 hours. Yeah. He did the math that quick. I was impressed by that. I, for a drunk, yeah, it's very <laughs> yeah. impressive. <laughs> and Here's the other reason possibly he's looking at his hands. It's the DTs, but it's also because that's why. Yeah, he's like, "Where are my my beautiful calluses? I, I wouldn't have these if thirty hours or eight months rather." Yeah, yeah, like, they, they'd be gone, wouldn't they? And she's like, well, "Yeah, I guess, yeah." And he's like, 
I knew it. Something's afoot. Cut to the location of his chopper that he was flying earlier. It's it's all hold. The, the plane, the chopper never crashed. Yeah. And we see we got the firm has got the thing staked out. We see this is where we first see Archangel. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. 29 minutes into this episode when finally Archangel and Dom show up. It's 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 depressing me, man. <laughs> so like Archangel. Okay. Ark's got like kind of a look going on. He only wears white, or is that just this episode? So no, he, he only wears white or or sort of like an off shell or some some flavor of white. And Archangel to me is a style icon. The man is dapper as fuck all the time. He always has this genius woman on his arm. He's got his silver headed cane. He's got his his gl- wireframe glasses, the with the custom built black glass covering up his missing eye. I wasn't feeling that. I was, I thought he had a lazy eye or something. No, he he loses his eye in the first, uh, the first episode uh, when when, uh, Airwolf gets stolen. The guy who steals it blows up the test facility and, and Archangel gets wounded. And so that's why he's, he's got the cane and he's got the eye patch is that he's got all these injuries in the first episode. Oh yeah, Ar- Archangel's up there. He's got his his little white trench coat with the collar flipped up, and you know he's he's got his lady friend there, and of course Dominic's just wearing you know leather bomber jacket and his little Santini air cap, and oh man, you know <laughs> that blindingly satin cap he has. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, it's so perfect, <laughs> glistening, <laughs> just glistening. <laughs> Oh, of course, played by classic actor Ernest Borgnine. Cabby, he'll always be cabby to me from New, from New York. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Oh, that's right. He is. Uh, it? Yeah. He, he's got beautiful eyes. Ernest Borgnine, I love him. The man is so gregarious. He's so charismatic. And I'm just, I'm going to just lay it out here for the audience. <laughs> it, it is a crime. It's a television crime that the 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 morose dour fucking incel loner string fellow out in his little art mansion in the middle of nowhere playing the cello for the birds and his dog is the guy who gets all the ladies whereas dominic santini silver fox he's just he's you everyone's buddy He's got a million great stories about dancing ladies and world time adventures and, you know, old friends and just charm the pants off of anyone, mm. man, woman, doesn't matter to him. And yet, no love life, nothing. <sighs> if I had been the showrunner, it would have been just like another lady on Dominic's arm every other episode, just, you know. Little side references to you know hooking up with married women, or you know just some lady who's like working on the engine, but you know there's the little double entendre there. Like that's how I would build this show out. Would just be Dominic crushing ass every episode because why not? Ernest Borgnine is a sex machine. Let's just I, put it I, it, it's because chicks dig the brooders. No, they they no. do. No, you don't know what you're talking about. I they like the bird with the broken wing. I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening here. I already know. 
Ernest is too much of a straight shooter. He tells people, he laughs with people. Meanwhile, Stringfellow, sarcasm is his love language. He's, he's saying he strings them along? He strings them along. Yeah. He spe- speaks fluent sarcasm, and that's what every lady wants. Yeah. He plays hard to get. That's it. Just got to be sarcastic. That'll do it. And then, of course, he's got a lot of photos of him in nature. Not holding a fish, though, apparently. That is the worst crime you could commit. Good. I'm going to be charitable, and I'm going to chalk it all up to the dog. I'm going to oh. chalk it up to Ted. Ted? Yeah. That's the dog's I name? Think, I, I think the dog's name is Ted, yeah. I like it. And, and in the first episode, uh, Gabriella uh, does immediately bond with Ted the dog. And so That's it. once again, it just lends credence to the fact that women appreciate the dog more than the man. And that's fine. You know what? Stringfellow Hawk is trash. He's just <laughs> incel trash. <laughs> He's All just right. a loner. Women? I don't know. I wouldn't go that far as an insult. <laughs> fucking broads. Okay. Got, we got to get to the review booth. Yeah. Right. We got to survey. Like, we got Archangel and his crew, and they're going into, like, the you know, the review booth. They're going to make sure he had full control of the helicopter when it touched down in the end zone and that both feet landed and that he controlled the process all the way through. They're looking over everything, and they're realizing – who are all these people who came afterward? How do they have fa- camera footage of all of this, by the way? Uh, I don't know. I didn't even know the point of it. It, it. It's They kind of are hinting that various counterintelligence agencies tracked these like Eastern European agents coming in and out of the country. Right. Because that's what, what Archangel says, is that, you know, like... the. They've been detected here in the U.S. They seem to be working together. And that's when they just start pulling on the plot threads and putting everything together because there's the the woman with the dark hair. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's a Russian who's an expert in uh, psychological espionage. She was really good. And, you know, and then there's McGregor, who's the sort of information mercenary who will work for anyone and. You know, it all just starts getting tied up, and they're like, "Oh, and yeah." And then we found out that these guys, all this whole crew, has ties to the Libyans, which is the whole thing all the way back from the pilot, where the Libyans want to get their hands back on Airwolf again, right? Because when they had Airwolf in the pilot, they blew up like a U.S. destroyer that was in the Gulf. They shot down a couple of French fighter jets. Oh. You know, they were like, "Ha ha." we're untouchable because we've got this super weapon. Um, so they, they want it back. And half the plots of the first season are just various countries trying to find a way to get their hands on Airwolf. So that seems pretty you know, cool. Here we go. So Archangel sees an opportunity, pounces on it. He's like, oh, Dom, buddy, old pal. How about you give me the location of Airwolf? Right. And we can save your buddy Stringer. Right. Well, we we have to do this because it's going to fall into the hands of Gaddafi and the Libyans again. It's get like everyone that shouldn't have it is going to have it if you don't tell us. Or nine, don't budge. Right. Well, you know, we know you don't trust a man with an English accent. Yes. You do not trust a man with a cravat. That's right. What's the other thing? We Smoking don't? a pipe. Smoking a pipe. Man with one eye. You never trust a man with one eye. Well, you never know where he's looking. He made his own eye patch. So (laughs) anybody that bugged me, I don't like. It was like, like how about a monocle? How about that? How about how about a patch and a monocle? 
If you don't need a glass, that seems too much. It's, I don't it's like kind that. of ostentatious, but I think I get that vibe <laughs> off of Archangel. Yeah, yeah. I like his mustache. It's good oh, mustache. Yeah. You don't care mustache. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the eighties. Come on. Yes, you're right. It was. And so it, what? What? <laughs> I believe the the woman, his his lady friend, had the most eighties outfit on. It was like this. No. Pockets everywhere, she like did, jumpsuit. I, okay, I could not take my hand or my hands, my eyes <laughs> off her sleeve pockets. Yeah, you're right. She just had was covered with pockets. Like this, and th- that's the thing. He's we've established he has these fembots with him all the time. Do they yeah. always all all wear white too? Is that like his? Oh thing? yeah, yeah. She and actually Morella, she always dresses like that. It's this weird kind of flight suit uniform body suit kind of thing they built for her um, I kind of love a lot of the wardrobe design of this show like I love the fact that Archangel is always dressed to the nines always stylish always all in his white but he'll go from like super formal to kind of casual with the sweater over you know <laughs> a dress shirt he's got the collar flipped up on his trench coat Morella's always wearing this weird yeah sort of super futuristic science, you know, body suit kind of outfit. Like it's the firm is their wardrobe budget must be uh, pretty high. I mean, just think about Archangel getting all this stuff, you know, taken to the dry cleaners all the time. You can't keep white clean to save your life. So right. for this man to maintain pristine simply because it's a, you know, fashion affectation you know uh, the firm likes archangel and yeah he he gets into it with Dawn because no. of that as soon as you no. put white on you immediately like all of a sudden there's like a salsa salsa stain on me i'm like i'm not eating salsa what the fuck <laughs> yeah. you know yeah it just I have teleports a- onto your shirt bam right so you're like fuck white you know? yeah i have a couple you know? of white shirts and it's just like when am i gonna wear this <laughs> right. like, because and then when you get dogs too it's like fuck it, yeah, don't even bother. it's over and i have a black cat so it's right. it's all over oh, all right all right we got to get back to our boy string fellow hawk hawkenstein He's getting dressed finally in the corner, so yeah, Susan he, can't he, see he, his pecker. Yeah, he's like, "Don't look at my pee-pee. <laughs> That's the and, best part. He's turned, like, standing <laughs> in the corner like a ten-year-old. <laughs> Never put J. Michael Vincent in a corner. He'll put himself I'm too in the <laughs> And she's like, "Look, I'm not with him. I've, I'm a I'm a nurse. I've seen plenty I, of penises. I've all seen right? your penis multiple times. Yeah, I put the catheter in. All right, you know. It's that's, like, that's why she was allowed on the floor because they were like, "Ew, we don't want to touch his penis.'" So they brought in Susan to put in the cat. It all makes sense when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, because the, technically, Il, her name was Ilsa, the evil nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect name for an evil nurse. Yes. She's not a real nurse. So she's like, I'm not touching that ding dong. And he, she, so she's like, I'll do it. I'm a nurse. So they just start wandering this this uh, this uh, floor, and they stumble into a room where they see the, the newscaster room. It was, was the laboratory room. Okay. Yeah. And they pop in there. And this is, again, I've already been confused. You're trying to do some high-stakes espionage shit here, and I don't know a single character as it is. And now we're adding in this element of they are filming from a studio within the hospital that they have taken over just one floor, and normal business is going on around, like, the level of... I don't even know. It's breaking my brain. I'm going to go. It's I'm, John Woo level busy. You need to drink Goldschlager while you watch this <laughs> show because that's the only way all the 
Well, so so we see like okay, thank first of all, we're all like thank God Lady Di and Prince Charles are together. Yeah, They're together forever. Yeah. We'll have eight months of you know feeling right. good about you the know, world. So again. he's like, Thank God I need a drink. <laughs> and he's like, and then he notices like there's this screen that just happens to have a picture of his of of Sinjin, I'm using uh quotation marks, and Sinjin, non quotation marks. Right. Where it's going back and forth for some yes. reason. Yes. And and he's like that's my brother. And, <laughs> and he even seems a little proud and got a little tear. <laughs> and she's like, which one? He's like, what? I'm fucking seeing, oh, I'm seeing double again. What the fuck? You know, he's just like, <laughs> he's like, so like, so what the, the cat pee mixture, that was, was he can't like tell a difference between his brother and this guy who looks nothing like him. Like, I didn't get that at all. I, I think the whole idea is that he was being brainwashed because then in, in a moment later, they start looking at, footage of a recreated crash so my guess even though they're not explicit about it is that they pumped him full of psychotropic drugs and then just you know put that monitor in front of him that just went back and forth between the two faces until in his mind they're like the same person Oh, okay. that's, and then, that's the same reason why they were playing the crash, so it would be he yeah, would remember so the crash? I, okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. He's so doped up that he's watching this and it becomes a memory for him. Because this is, I mean, it, it, you probably saw me on Twitter over the last couple of days, like trying to figure out what the what this TV trope is. And it's called the fake Rip Van Winkle trope, where Ooh. you put a character in a situation where they wake up, you know, either in a hospital or something and it's a ruse to try and get them to think that whatever information they had is no longer relevant either like in this. Oh no. Well, there's no reason for you to hide airwolf anymore. Like just tell us where it is now. Or you, you establish a scenario where, they now feel compelled to give whatever information it is. But yeah, you build this sort of world around them. And I think that's, you know, I love this trope. I just never find out what the heck the name for it was until I learned it last night. But yeah, you know, he, he just has all this unravel in front of him. And that's kind of when the penny drops. He's like, wait a second. That's not my brother. Sinjin isn't here. You know, this, yeah. you know, he begins to realize, oh, shit, I right. told someone where Airwolf is. Yeah, I'm, I'm fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, heads back over the door and he's trying to peek out, make sure the coast is clear. And apparently, I, I don't know. McGregor was there, but he was it wasn't McGregor. Or not Sinjin. McGregor. It was Evil Sinjin. Yeah. yeah. Because he creaks open the door and then uh, Sinjin just kicks it open. So he was like waiting there, but there's a giant window on the door. So we, uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> I wanted to ask this forever ago. Was Jan Michael Vincent as Stringfeller uh, Hawk. G- Hawk, was he the guy who invented the helicopter silencer? Because we've seen that in a lot of movies where a helicopter. That was Blue Thunder. That was Blue Thunder that yeah. invented the silenced uh, helicopter. I remember that from Blue Thunder. They had a silent helicopter. Okay. Yeah. I remember we were watching Lethal Weapon and they had the silent does, helicopter. Does, Jack, does Airwolf have us like a silent mode? It kind of does. Yeah. It's got all sorts of stealth technology. Um, 
I don't know if they expressly say like a whisper mode or whatever, but it is quiet. Um, it, it's more that it's got stealth, like between electronic countermeasures yeah. and, you know, some sort of stealth coding or whatever. I mean, back in the eighties, like stealth aircraft were all the rage. Um, but it does make that sort of whistly howling kind of noise. And I think that's supposed to be some <laughs> form of sound suppression, right. I guess, but, but not like uh, blue thunder because in blue thunder, they actually described it as uh, uh, microphones that record the sound and play it back over speakers using, uh, you know, the way you can use sound waves to cancel each other out. Oh, so that's actually they came up with a technical way to do that for Blue Thunder. But anyways, we're getting we're getting distracted yeah, here with that. So <laughs> delving gonna... too deep into the world of yeah. superchoppers. I mean, it's a show about a helicopter. We haven't seen a helicopter since you know the minute <laughs> right. five. And months. we haven't seen Airwolf at all. And yeah. we haven't seen Airwolf at all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So So they brought they hot dog brings him into the room with all the bad guys. This is our like we're gonna reveal our plot to you scene. Yeah, Abrams of course gotta explain everything. Oh my god, we outsmarted the fuck out of you. It's gonna be so good. We're gonna show you everything we did here. Like, yeah, we had an RC we RC controlled your chopper, buddy. Yeah. Expert pilot McGregor over here, and now you can fully see the uh croissant. The croissant just flowing. Yeah. He's just the and cravat. He's just, Cravat, yeah, excuse me. Well, he was eating croissant. <laughs> and he's like, well, he's like, did I pass out from being drunk again? He's like, no, you idiot. I was in that fucking the picture I gave you. Yeah. Did you notice I was wearing gloves? I, I, I have beautiful hands. Yeah. I never wear gloves. Not callous you know at that. all. I was a hand model. Did you know that? And he starts going like, I don't, I don't need to hear yours. And now... We're gonna go get because he's because he's still I guess only um only Stringfellow can pilot the airwolf out of the the lair. Yeah, is this a it? thing? Uh, I think it's more that it's a very narrow uh, sort of passage that they've got to get the helicopter out of. Oh, okay. And, and I think also they've intimated. I think they did in the first couple episodes that like the helicopter is rigged with like, you know, explosives or whatever. So, yeah, you know, course, start yeah. it up correctly. It'll blow up. So, right. you know, again, this is all eighties television hand waving, but the, yeah, the idea is he's like, I got to be the one that goes into the, into the Mesa and flies airwolf out of there. And if it's not me, you're not going to get it. And they're like, right. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they got him in straight jackets. Yep. Susan and uh, Stringfellow, and they load them up into a cargo plane. So they're going to fly. They're going to load up Airwolf onto this cargo plane and then take it to uh, Libya. Libya, yeah. Do so, terrorist shit. Do terrorist shit. So they're they're flying. They get to because of course in the earlier scene, J. Michael Vincent gave away the location. So right. they're gonna fly right over there. Right to the Valley of the Gods. This is where we have some fun with Susan, who I was asking Murray about this because what is with you generation Xer, eighty folk, or seventy born in the seventies folk? This woman is in a hostage situation. She's been captured, she's in a straitjacket, she's in a plane, she's being flown, she's got guns being held against her, and she is keeping her wits to her. She's sarcastic as fuck still. 
because they're like it's our love language it's our love language because yeah. you know mm-hmm. she walked in jam michael vincent where are they fucking taking us are they just gonna drop us right off into libya and he's like i uh, know it's uh too long of a flight we're gonna be going to Cuba, probably. <laughs> yeah, Cuba and Nicaragua. <laughs> and she just popped back in. She goes, oh, great. I've always wanted to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> Sarcasm. It's fluent. It, it, I'm telling it's, it's you. A that, great, it's a great defense mechanism, bro. That, Never let them see you sweat. That's how Jan Michael Vincent gets them. That's how Stringfellow gets them. Sarcasm? Yeah, sarcasm. I'm telling you. He speaks sarcasm. So they let uh, Stringer out of the straitjacket so he can fly a little airwolf out of the little bat cave. They have he, the wolf cave. He puts up some resistance, but then they put a you know a, put gun, a gun to Susan's, Susan's head. head. Yeah. He's like, well, I can't, I can't let her go because not too many girls are into my brooding lifestyle, but all the girls are into my brooding lifestyle. <laughs> they they load airwolf onto the cargo plane. She's like, all this for that? <laughs> what? Hey, we got the interior. We got to see the helmets. McGregor was just like, oh, you're so badass. And he had to put on the helmet, too. Yeah, look at me. I'm an airwolf. And like, fucking <laughs> Stringer's rolling his eyes. We got that. Noob. We got that kick ass synth tune again. Though. So the synth was great. I'm guessing this, Jackie. You can tell me. Is this every episode they have the fucking repair gearing up montage because it looked like some very stock footage going on oh yeah it's all stock footage yeah okay because yeah, okay. <laughs> they're like clicking like levers and shit we're getting the fucking amazing synth fucking well, it, it, it's it's 1980s uh what, what's what's the term the tom clancy term the techno thriller style pornography you know it's like it's like when you were in uh you know, Knight Rider and Kit, you always had to show him reach over and hit the turbo boost button, yep. you know? And so, again, it's all oh, you're inside the helicopter, you got to flip in the switches and arming the things and, you know, yeah. turning the dials and flipping back the covers on the other switches and, you know, and then people really love the, the mecha files are you know already <laughs> oh, God. Oh God. fully erect and they're whacking off they're they're lubricated they're tensed up they're ready to go i'm yeah. changing my i'm changing my answer okay. i'm going for leopardo Oh my God! Japanese Spider-Man's uh, Mechazord. Yeah, I'm going for Leopardo. That's a pretty impressive thing to. If I sound out of it this whole episode, it's because all I've been thinking about is what vehicle I want to fuck. When, you told me I can't well, fuck a cartoon, so <laughs> well, yeah, you can't. <laughs> Literally, you can't. Well, the fuck mystery van no. is a real. They, they built it for the the live action movies. <laughs> you could theoretically go out. There you well, he could theoretically fuck a replica. You can't fuck the one Scooby Doo drove because it doesn't exist. So I'm taking. I prefer Leopardo. Leopardo. Okay, okay, Leopardo. So we gotta do some more fucking Japanese Spider Man. I know, I know, I miss it so much. But uh <laughs> so Oh god, all right, Loopy. Too much too much work. So but but here's the thing. They they load up Airwolf, but then we see this glistening oh. satin cap this peek up from the like cockpit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's blind. Susan spits, spits, sees it immediately. First, first of all, she's like, "That's a real man." Yeah. I don't know. You're drip, <laughs> fucking. You know, it's, I mean, this guy confidently is wearing a satin cap. So, <laughs> you know, I'm into this guy. And we see Ilsa. She's like 
polishing her gun for some reason. Yeah. And then our boy um, Dom sneaks out tippy toes. And Jan Michael starts stirring too. So everyone's kind of like gravitating towards him. Uh, I love this. This is good. This is a good ruse. This is a good double switch. And they turn the tables and they, they get the guns away from them. And now the, ball, the ball's in their court. Airwolf to the rescue. So now they uh, we see we get, we get a cockpit shot of uh, of McGregor and Abrams and Rothschild, and they're yeah. like um, uh, McGregor's driving, flying the plane, and he's like, "What the fuck? Somebody opened the cargo bay doors. Go, you need to go check that out." So Abrams grabs his uh, he's got an AK, heads back right. there. It's gone. Well, no, they're actually they're in reverse. You actually, oh, they're in reverse. You actually <laughs> see Stringfellow's got his hand up on the back of the seat next to him. He's looking behind his back. Oh, He's yeah, like, of course. Dom's like guiding him from behind <laughs> and shit. And they just turbo boost, reverse turbo boost out of the fucking cargo bay. Yep. And then it's just like, and they're, they're cool as a cute. Apparently, they've done this before because a fucking uh, Stringer's like, yeah. Hit the shoot. And they just hit the shoot. They're just and he's like their work the rotors are getting started and shit. Yeah. Cut the shoot. Cut the shoot. This is a very Dungeon and Dragons helicopter because it's much larger on the inside than on the outside because it looks like Dom is in another room completely. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Is, is, is that common for the for the airwolf? Yeah, he sits behind like like there's a there's a pilot and co-pilot seat. And then behind that is where the sort of flight engineer sits because the Bell 222 is, is a relatively big helicopter. It's got a passenger compartment. So in Airwolf, he's sitting sort of behind where Hawk sits and he's got, you know, just sort of like electronics and switches and, and monitors and shit. Like if you think about uh, the cockpit of like a, a commercial airliner and you know you get that the pilot and the co-pilot and then behind them there are other seats for people maybe not now but you know like back in like the 70s and 80s who just like did other shit with the help with the plane that's where dominic sits and apparently there's enough room back there to put a couple other people there have been episodes where they've put like three or four passengers into airwolf they're gonna cram them in there but yeah there's there's some room back there which i don't know where they put the fucking missiles and ammunition and all this other shit well Well, i mean is it it believable that two guys with a socket wrench set could maintain airwolf (laughs) all right so this is the great ruse of the entire show this is like the most sophisticated piece of like military aviation technology in the world and these two knuckleheads keep it in a cave out by medicine hat utah like where do they even get the missiles where do they get the machine gun bullets and the cannon bullets i mean sure in america we can get there anywhere all it is is american can do they tie their bootstraps one at a time like every other American. They pull themselves up. They find a couple missiles lying around. Or they fashion them out of coffee cans or something, you know? Come on. It's not that hard. It makes sense. It makes sense to they're, me. They're, they're aircraft mechanics. It's no big deal. They just hit it with the socket wrench a few times. <laughs> you know? Well, they I mean, beat it, the dents out of the rotors, and it's fine. They polish out the big 
you know, craters from, you know, enemy right. aircraft fire. You get your rubber mallet out and you just bang, ding those dents out. Well, I've been trained by uh, uh, the, oh, crap, B.A. Baracus and the A-team for so long uh, that, you know, with you just... You weld anything. Exactly. With just a little effort, you can make bombs, you can make everything you need to, so... What we need to worry about, though, is getting out of this episode a tippy-tap in under 90 minutes because we're getting very dangerously close to that. And they're getting very dangerously close to the ocean or a yeah. body of water. Right. Yeah, well, they figure it out. They stabilize. They use the turbo boost or auto-rotate down, whatever. And then they they dogfight it out with a, a trio of uh, ambiguously South Central American fighter yeah. jets. We're not sure they're coming from Cuba or Nicaragua or where exactly they're... All, all we know is that uh, Abrams uses some Spanish to call them in and they're going to escort them. I think to Cuba because I think that's where they were going. So they might be Cuban fighters. Okay. Air, Airwolf just slaps them out of the air. <clears throat> but I do want to comment on the fact that for the 80s, for television... The air combat on this show, at least in the first season, is really good looking. Huh? They kick up that orchestral score. Yeah. You know, you get your blood moving. They edit together footage of Airwolf against stock footage of these military aircraft, you know, coupled with some close ups of some dude sitting like in a cockpit somewhere, you know, with, like a big red star in his helmet or whatever, yeah. you know, Top Gun style. But like, it's really kind of well done. They got the missile cam as the missiles sort of flying around. And, you know, for the time this was made, for it being on just like a network television show that had, you know, a limited budget, a limited shooting schedule, a limited post production schedule. I think it looks good. Like it's exciting. You can follow what's going on. You know, missile gets launched. They evade it. They turn the tables on whoever's chasing them. They shoot them down. You know, at one point, the way they defeat you know, everyone at the end is the one of these Cuban planes shoots a missile at them. They get the missile to follow them, and then they fly by the C one thirty. Uh, hunt for an October style and the missile <laughs> blows up the C-130 and knocks it out of the air. And so they're like, haha, we didn't even have to waste a missile on you. That's incredible. So, it's resourceful you know, like that that keeps your arms, your artillery, you know. Well, they use something called a sunburst. Yeah. Is that supposed to be yeah. to like draw the heat-seeking missile away? Yeah, that's the little infrared flares they're spitting out of, uh, okay. out of Airwolf. Because I mean that, that's a fighter countermeasure. It's, it's again, it, it's one of these things where like if you were watching this back in the eighties, you probably had a stack of like Jane's military aircraft books, and you were whacking off the Soldier of Fortune like I was at a youthful <laughs> age, you know. And so like you're like, yeah, sunburst, yeah, sidewinder missile, yeah, thirty millimeter aircraft cannons, fuck yeah, this is great, America. He's serenading a fucking eagle out in the wilderness. This is the way life should be. You know, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, this is Nancy Reagan sucking off Belisario and (laughs) so mission accomplished, everybody. Airwolf is safe. We killed all the bad guys. We killed those fucking commies like we should kill the commie for mommy. Time to go back to the old cabin. By the way, who the fuck is taking care of the dog while who he's doing? Who is doing... taking care of the dog? 
Oh, I mean, I, uh, he says in the pilot episode that Ted can take care of himself. Okay, so that oh. gets established from the very beginning. <laughs> he goes out there, he runs down a deer, he rips its fucking throat <laughs> out, he drinks the blood, he eats the meat, and yeah. Ted is good. Yeah, there's probably a little doggy door on the cabin. Ted comes and goes, drags carcasses in, devours them, drags the bones and the fur out, and he keeps uh-huh. it tidy. But, so they make it back to the cabin. Archangel and his squeeze, they've making themselves at home. They were already there. They got the fucking snifters out. They're warming them by the fire. They flipped through all the CDs. They've picked out, you know, Disturbed. (laughs) 80s version of Disturbed, you know. He's got his sweater vest, white sweater vest, of course. Tight. He's looking sharp. And he's like, and then fucking... Stringfellow, smug as fuck, comes in. Like, I got your wolf bag. You don't know where it is. Immediately goes to his bar. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. His hands are still shaking. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I got to put some calluses on these fingers. <laughs> he hasn't had a drink in days. So. That's right. At least 30 hours. I wonder if he yeah, I, I a little flash in the like, Ask for him. Here yeah. you go, buddy. Here you go. Yeah, really. Feeds it to him you know, while they're flying. While they're I, flying. Did not, I did not <laughs> like those helmets, man. They were weird. <laughs> they, I mean, I'm assuming they didn't yeah. have visors because the whole thing's like, dude, if we're paying $200,000 for the beautiful face of J. Michael Vincent, you're going to fucking see it. Oh, no, they've got visors. They got uh, black visors come up and down. Oh, oh I, I, I would have liked to have seen that because I didn't. Yeah. I, it, was, it was weird. It was too like yeah. short on the jawline. It was part. way too short on the yeah, jaw. I didn't like that. Yeah. No. yeah, there's a little button on the side of the helmet. You hit that and the visor comes up. You hit it again, yeah, the visor comes down. Very high tech shit. All right. So Susan uh, walks in. She's like, "I know where Airwolf is." It's this is the greatest tease of all time. This is such a good diss on uh, Stringfellow to hit Archangel with this to be like, "Oh yeah, this civilian knows where it's at." Yeah, yeah, we can yeah. cross. I've known her for a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she does go. Well, it's by some snow and then some hills, and I, yeah, I was kind of sleeping through a lot of it. <laughs> Yeah, I had a sip of Jan Michael, uh, the Stringfellow's drink, and I was just getting woozy. Yeah, you think Archangel would be like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna interrogate her," you know, lock her up in some room somewhere. But no, they put her because they have their own. I'm sure the firm has their own hospital ward. Right, Mm -hmm. right. That would be a great sequel. Right. Wow, that was an. Oh yeah, goes to a freeze frame at the end, and yeah, they're all laughing at Archangel who just. Looks exasperated, like the kids have pulled a fast one on him, and then, right. you know, <laughs> the end of the episode, uh, musical note, and uh, freeze frame on Jan Michael, who's sort of like, oh. as he tips should a glass, add, should add him like shaking <laughs> his finger at at, at uh, Stringfellow. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you naughty boy, naughty boy. Yeah, I'm gonna get you one of these days, Stringfellow. You're I gonna like slip it. up. I like it. And then, they, and then the smirk and the freeze frame. Very good. I like dipping my toe in this airwolf. I'm glad that we had Jack here to explain it to me right. because I was incredibly confused. I read me his notes well, yeah. and it made sense. Right. That's all it is. That's what this podcast is all about. Right. We're about well, educating folks entertaining. I tried to find an episode that had a good blend of like the espionage and kind of a mystery and you know, along with some action at the end, so I'm glad you guys appreciated it. I thought this is kind of representative, of like the best of season one. You know, really kind of stretching its muscles and and having a pretty complicated plot line. 
Because like I said, it sounds like, and again, I, I haven't seen a lot of Airwolf since it was on the air 30 oh. years ago. So like, I don't know, but you know, from everything I've read, just like the quality immediately goes downhill. And so this is, you're seeing it as best as it ever will be at this point, you know, okay. in the first season. Was the pilot like a full on movie type of deal? Yeah, and actually they edited the pilot. Yeah, it's, it's like a double episode pilot. Okay. And they re-edited it and I guess some places internationally they actually released it as like a TV movie and and somewhere like Indonesia they did like a theatrical release of it. So, but yeah, it's it it's pretty it's pretty chunky. It goes okay. on for a while. And uh, I do have to ask, it sounds like you might not know this, but since every 80s show we seem to look up, there's some kind of mystical, you know, mystical cryptozoologist type of uh, monster in the world. Is there a werewolf or, you know, maybe a, a Sasquatch real, episode? A real airwolf, like a flying wolf. Maybe a real airwolf. There is Red Wolf, which is a twinned airwolf that oh. like a... Like a kitten car kind of situation. Okay. No, I don't think we ever dip into the mystical arts. Although, oh man, I'm gonna have to go through and I'm gonna have to start looking now. There's gotta be one. There's gotta be one. Eighties, right? Maybe some, you know, Eastern mysticism or some voodoo or something like. Because you're right that. that. Something like that has to get dropped in here. Some new age, you know, ESP or yes, oh dream yeah, walking. He's out yeah. just making sure Airwolf handles okay, and then he gets hypnotized. He's the or... world through Airwolf's eyes, like Airwolf gets taken, stolen. Yeah, and he's like astral projecting into Airwolf. Oh, okay. I was thinking the other way, where somebody's projecting into him and forcing him to fly the plane to that them. Would, that would be good, too. Okay. So, what if they have to get a psychic detective to help them find Airwolf? This is getting really good. I'm really... I'm. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> All right. Jack, as always, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Uh, any of Jack's cougars want to send some naked pictures to me, I'll take them. He's obviously, there's no use for them. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming. On. It's always a pleasure having you on. We look forward to having you back on in the future. A- anytime, any place, any episode, I'm good to go. I mean, we we got we got well, we got some uh, movie set aside for you that we you know you want to. We're we're gonna get to Red Dawn eventually. Oh, God, Wolverine. It's just so hard because we got we got fought because I mean, I'm not making any promises. Maybe we could sneak it in in January because February is our black exploitation history month, so we can't do it then. But and then March is a big fucking month for us. It's our birthday month, and our 200th episode is gonna Ooh. take place in March. So. I'm patient. I, like Airwolf, I sit ready in my lair. You know, <laughs> that's what I love on you. any opportunity. Well, you're always welcome. You're part of the family. We, we love you. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you. Take care. Okay. And we're off. All righty. All right. That was weird that it just like decided the call needed to end in the middle of it, but I guess that's. I I think they must have meet must be going the way of Zoom and some of these others where they want to force you to like a pro level, um, 
you know, like a, a paid for. subscription or a company subscription in order to go too long. Cause zoom will do the same thing. And we, if you're, it's a free call, you have to pay for it. If you want to go longer than like 40 minutes or whatever. But if that's the case, I mean, we always anticipate that and just have a little break. Cause it didn't seem like it was too much of a problem to shut it down. Yeah. It. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I'm glad it gave us the warning. <laughs> Cause I hear yeah. it just k- kicks you out. But I don't, I don't know that. But that. Yeah. Or not Skype, uh, Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't distract too much. All right. Well, you guys have had a long day, so I'll let you go. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're, we're fried at this yeah, point. Yeah. We stopped doing these types of days because, like, by the time we get to the second, we're like, oh, shit. Oh. Well, yeah, we kind of fucked ourselves by doing a two-and-a-half-hour movie. We, Yeah, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. But schedules, know, and yeah. we wanted to get this in. And... Uh, yeah, well, I can't wait for that one. I, I, I love Face Off. I've seen it a million times. So I'm anticipating well, we... your uh, review of it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't love John Woo because you trash we, a little Yeah, we trash oh, no, I, I, I'm indifferent to John Woo. I think he's kind of – it's. It's overblown, super stylistic, you know, late 80s, early 90s type shit. You take it or leave it. But the movie is so ridiculous. Yeah. Travolta and Cage just chewing the scenery so incredibly well. Oh, yeah. They, they, They really made it their own. They had all kinds of feel. I was saying Travolta, better villain in the movie. I didn't like Nick Cage as the villain. I love Travolta as the villain, though. Just a and bit that more. Uh, the shootout scene what, is it? Wonderful world that they put the. It's oh, it's somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere over the wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we That's we talked cool about scene. that one for <laughs> ten <laughs> minutes. Just, yeah, nothing about the yeah. action, just about how ridiculous the kid was listening to somewhere <laughs> over the rainbow. Yeah, As was, if that's all it takes to like keep this child from having a lifetime of post traumatic stress. Yeah. Well, we well, kind of talk like is this kid on the spectrum somewhere? He is because... deep on the spectrum. <laughs> he's not. He's just the way. Well, but you got to remember, he was raised in a criminal family. He's probably, yes. he's probably been shootouts his whole life. Oh yeah. True. Like this is not clearly by the way he reacts to it. This is not the first. <laughs> he wants to go out and dance. On a dance he wanted floor. to go dance. That's what yeah. he's used yeah. to. He's got. He's been watching that Yosemite Sam. <laughs> oh God! <sighs> All righty. All right. Thank you, buddy. Right. We'll be in touch with no you. No problem. Yeah, man. Sounds Have good. Take care. Bye. Bye.